Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. Matthew chapter 28. Just follow me along. I'm, I'm, I need to struggle through here. Uh, I opened my Bible in Spanish. That's not going to help me. Look, good thing is I have my iPad. I have it in English. Amen. So I'm struggling through my English. I don't know if you can tell. I don't usually speak English. But um, follow me in your Bible. Matthew 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. In my Bible, there's a, there's a title above this passage of Scripture. And of course, the title's not inspired, but it's become uh, a common title among most denominations uh, today. When they read this passage, they would call this passage the Great Commission. And I want to speak to you this morning on that subject, the Great Commission. Why is it called the Great Commission? Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the blessing, for the privilege, for the honor that you've given us to gather together in your name, to lift up our voices, our hearts to thee, to separate a time, a special time each week unto thee. Thank you, God, for life and health and for those that you're working in uh, their bodies for recovery from COVID and other things, and for those that we've prayed for recently uh, that have tumors and uh, cancer and other illnesses. Father, thank you for your working in humanity, but we know that uh, what we really need is uh, for people to come to Christ, to be saved, and, and have that guarantee that when you come for your children, we'll be ready. I pray you bless your word this morning. Help me to be a blessing to your people. In Jesus' name, amen. The Great Commission. Why do we call it the Great Commission? Well, uh, I have three reasons that I want to give this morning and, and emphasize, hoping that this will encourage uh, some of us to, to do a little more, be a little more for God in respects to the Great Commission. First of all, the Great Commission, the commissioning of, of the saints to take the gospel to the whole world, to every people. First, I would say it is great because of the one that commissioned us is so great. Christ the Messiah, the anointed of Jehovah, the Lamb of God, Jesus the Savior, Emmanuel, God with us, Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, he that was, he that is, he that is coming again, so wonderfully sung this morning, wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, the great I Am, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Almighty. It was he that commissioned us, and because of our respect for him, because of our obedience to him, because of our love of him, we should be willing to give and we should be willing to go wherever and whenever because it is he that has commissioned us. I thought about this this morning. I thought about my wife. My wife was here, was here with me, by the way. I should have introduced her at the beginning. Ruth, just stick your hand up back there. There she is. Okay, she stood up. That's good so you can see her. And you saw her in the picture, obviously, uh, both of us had our, our hair painted in the picture, amen? <clears throat> but uh, 
Uh, my wife will sometimes commission me to do things, you know, and uh, not everything she asks me to do, I like to do. And so I don't always do things she tells me to do or asks me to do because I like to do them. Uh, and, uh, and it's not a question of her being the boss, and she knows who's the boss in the house. There's no question about that. But because I love her, I want her to know that I do things that I don't like to do because she's asked me to do them. I like it when she asks me to do things that I don't like to do because it's an opportunity for me to show her that even though she knows I don't like that, what she just asked me to do. It's taking me out of my schedule. It's taking me, and that's how God, most of us are, amen. You guys are kind of quiet this morning. Help me out here. And so, uh, but I, I like to do things that I don't like to do because I know that shows her that I love her. Not because I'm afraid of what's going to happen if I don't do it. The one that commissioned us to take the gospel in the whole world, he deserves the greatest demonstration of our love and obedience. Not because something bad will happen to us if we don't do it. That could happen, I suppose, but I think that would be an extreme case. But just because we know who he is and what he's done for us and who, who he is for us every day, our desire should be to please him and in some way show him our obedience. So the commission is great, first of all, because he that has commissioned us in and of himself is so great. But then there's a second reason that I'd like to speak about, and that is because the results of the commission are so great. When the gospel is given, wherever it's given, here in Santa Ana, California, or there in South Korea, or in these countries uh, that Brother Tomlinson is, is trying to help uh, uh, in places where uh, we're not allowed to go in openly and men and women are literally risking their lives to, to be in there trying to share the gospel. Uh, the results are so great anywhere and everywhere that the gospel is preached. You know, in Mark chapter 9, it talks about how terrible hell is. We don't need to go there and read those those scriptures this morning, but uh, it's an eternal place. It's a place of torment. It's a, it's a terrible place and yet uh, unrepented uh, sinners will go there without Christ. But you and I have the opportunity to take the message of salvation to the lost and to help those that are, are doing that in other places. And when people come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, like uh, I think most of us in this room have, uh, and then we, we come to salvation, we're born again, we're a new creature in Christ Jesus, and we are rescued from that terrible place called hell. The Great Commission is great because the results are so great. People are saved from an eternal condemnation and passed into eternal bliss, into heaven, glory, which awaits us. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, it says, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Uh, behold, all old things are passed away. All things have become new. Uh, and that talks about that new person. Boy, when I got saved that day, uh, Dan Fox led me to Christ in his place of business. I was on the way back out to my pickup truck, and I had my pack of cigarettes. And by the way, the Bible doesn't mention anything about cigarettes, but the Holy Spirit mentioned it to me. And that day, I got rid of my cigarettes. Amen. 
And uh, I hadn't gone to church, hadn't, didn't have a Bible yet, only been to one Bible study, the one that he gave me after he led me to Christ. And I was on my way home, and I was thinking about all that whiskey and wine and drinks and beer. And I had several types of imported beer from Europe, from Mexico, and from other places. And uh, so my friends would come over to my house. Uh, I had whatever they would want to drink. And when I got home and I saw my bottles, and uh, nobody's talked to me about liquor or drunkenness or wickedness. I hadn't been to church, didn't have a Bible, but the Holy Spirit said, you don't need that. And I took those bottles one by one and dumped them down the sink. And, uh, and then I uh, thought about my music. I liked that old wicked rock and roll, uh, wild music and, and devil music. And I started thinking about my music. And I got rid of all that. And by the way, I didn't sell it to some other sinner. I just threw it in the trash. And all I'm saying this morning, I'm not bragging anyway. All I'm saying, by the way, I got rid of some of the clothing I used to use too. And uh, some of you might need to still do that. But uh, I'm just saying that I got changed. That uh, He transformed me from the inside out. Amen? And that was a wonderful thing for me because, bro, I was going down the wrong road, I'll tell you. It's a miracle that I didn't get killed before I got saved, and I'm glad I got saved. And then he transformed my life. God brings us into his family. What a wonderful thing that is. What a wonderful thing family is. We have a children's home on our property. We started in 2006. One of, those, one of the girls... Um, I think she's 16. Angelica, she's 16. Uh, she's been there for a couple of years. Uh, uh, just a precious, sweet young lady. But she was born in the United States, so she's an American. And, uh, but she's in our children's home. And uh, um, just recently, her biological father uh, found out where she was at and uh, did the the paperwork and things with the government, because the kids we have are from the government. They're wards of the state, most of them. And he found out where she was at, and, and he, he did the paperwork, and so he's legally uh, able to, to take her now. And uh, just last week, he, he, uh, uh, he, he was, spoke to the, uh, the attorneys, the uh, government attorneys, about picking her up, and they said, well, listen, we want to let you know that your daughter had never been in school before she went to the children's home. So she was 14 when she came to our children's home. She had never been in school a day in her life. And since she's American, we decided, well, instead of putting her in the Spanish school, we have a, we have a Spanish school also on the property, um, but why not put her in the English school? She's an American, then she'll learn English, and when she's 18, she'll be able to get her passport and come to the States if she wants to. So we put her in our school. And by the way, she's very intelligent. She's done very well. She's progressed. But the attorney said, why don't you just leave her there until she finishes school? Because right now, we're not able to give her any document. But if she can get, study a little bit farther, get a little bit farther along, we can get her her GED here in, in California because our school is based here in California. And so, so that's going to happen. And uh, what a wonderful thing it is to have family. But when she found out her dad was going to get her, though she really doesn't even know him. And he's probably not that nice of a guy, and he may not going to be able to give her much of a, of a life. When she found out she had a dad that was going to pull her out of her children's home, she just started telling everybody, I'm no longer part of the children's home. I, I have a family. How important family is. When we come to Christ, we're adopted into a new family. The family of God, what a precious family that is. You know, there's a lot of people suffering in our world today that don't really have family. And some people have family, biological family, but they can't even, they can't even get together. They can't even really 
go sit out and have a, a breakfast or a lunch together because they're, they're all the time fighting. What a, what a sad thing that is. But you know, our world is full of people like that. But we come to Christ, we get the gospel of people, they get adopted into a new family. What a wonderful thing that is. And then when we get adopted into the family of God, we become heirs and joint heirs with Christ. Romans chapter 8, no need to go there. I'm kind of going fast because I have some other things I want to say, but we become, uh, become victorious over all our enemies, Romans chapter 8 also. And then we get a promise of a, of a mansion in glory. I have no idea what that means. I really don't think that we have a building in glory that we're going to see on a golden street with a, with a front door. I don't think that's what it means, but I know this, whatever it is, it's great. Amen? It's got to be better than my mobile home down there in Tijuana, I'll tell you. There'll be no more crying. There'll be no more death. There'll be no more sorrow. There'll be no more pain. There'll be no more texts that come in on your phone and say, pray for my wife. They found a tumor. There'll be no more messages. They found a tumor on my husband's pancreas. Please pray. That stuff's going to end. Glory's going to be so great. All the sorrow is left behind. All we have to do is get the message to people, and those that will receive him will be a part of that glory with us. The Great Commission is so great because of he that commissioned it. It is great because of the results that are produced when the message is preached, but there's one more reason that I want to lift up this morning, and it's this. It's the manner in which it is accomplished. The means by the way the Great Commission is accomplished of getting the gospel to the whole world is an amazing feat. Matthew chapter 13. And verse 10. And the disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? So we begin to look at the disciples, the ones that Christ that day uh, said, All, all uh, power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore into all nations and, and, and preach the gospel. Make disciples uh, of all the nations. Well, these men, these 11 men that Christ commissioned, what kind of men were they? Well, first of all, like we just read, they were men with doubts. They didn't have all the understanding of all the things that, that God was doing or, or, or that Christ wanted them to do or how it was going to be accomplished. They were men with doubts. In, in, Ma in Matthew 14 and in verse 26, we're going to look at some of the characteristics of these men that Christ commissioned directly. Matthew 14, 26, and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it is spirit, and they cried out for fear. I mean, literally, they screamed. I'm not so, I don't want to imitate them this morning. I don't know how they did it, but I mean, uh, didn't you say they were a little afraid or they got nervous? I mean, they were, ah, you know, kind of out there on the lake, you know. These men had fears. Uh, these men in Matthew 15 and verse 23. Now here's the woman of Canaan that comes and says, Have mercy on me, uh, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. 
And verse 23 says, But Jesus answered her not a word, and his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. I mean, what was this lady going to take from Jesus that would in some way affect these disciples? I mean, she wasn't asking for money that maybe lady he was going to give to them. I mean, she wasn't asking for a, a sandwich that maybe he was later going to share with them. She was just asking for his spiritual help for her daughter who was vexed with a devil. And if, if Jesus were to help her, in what way did that hurt them? And in no way. And all these things that we're going to see in the next few minutes, uh, when the disciples uh, come to Christ, I mean, they're coming in a, a collective form. I'm not saying that, that they got in a meeting and, they, and picked one and represent us, but uh, if, if one of them had said anything out of, uh, out of, that was incorrect, one of the other ones could have stopped them. But no, they're all together in this. Send her away. They didn't say, Lord, why don't you help her? Lord, why don't we... Can we pray for her? Lord, can we do something to help this lady? No, send her away. Now, these were the men that Jesus commissioned to take the gospel into the whole world. But these men were men with doubts, men that had fears, and men that lacked compassion oftentimes. And then chapter 16, Matthew 16, and verse 5. And when his disciples were come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Well, the last thing you forget is to eat, amen? The last thing you want to forget is lunch. But these guys were forgetful. Any of you guys ever forget to bring home the bread? And then you get home and she says, did you bring the bread? Did you get the bread? Well, you didn't have that on the list. I got milk and cheese and I got this and I got... You didn't put bread on the list. And then you open your phone and see, oh, oh. Sometimes we forget things. Then in chapter 16 and verse 8, which when Jesus perceived, he said unto them, O ye of little faith. Wait a minute. <laughs> this isn't the average Christian on the corner. These are the disciples. These are the apostles. These are the ones that Jesus, after uh, praying and fasting all night long, comes and picks them out of a large crowd. And, uh, and I don't believe he knew ahead of time which ones they were. But that's another sermon. But he prays all night, and he's fasting, he comes and he picks out Peter. And by the way, it wasn't the most intellectual crowd, and it wasn't the best, they weren't the best dressed guys. Some of these guys were fishermen, and they were pretty crude, by the way. But you would think that at least be great men of faith. They were the disciple, the first disciple. They were the guys that were responsible for getting the gospel out in such a way that it would continue on all the way to us today. So that means they not just had to lead somebody to Christ. They had to convince that person to be not just a believer in Christ, but they had to, had to train that person and work with that person to be a real true, dedicated follower of Christ, 
to such a degree that that person would be willing to sacrifice his or her own personal time and maybe their resources, material resources, to continue that gospel message on to the next generation. And by the way, it worked. And you and I are here, we're saved this morning. It's because what they did worked. But I'm just trying to say this morning that these guys that took the gospel to the first to the world, and by the way, the world resisted in the beginning. Remember, when you became a Christian back in their time, it could have cost you your life. And by the way, on many, it did cost them their life. So what kind of guys are these that Jesus commissioned? They were guys with doubts, guys with fears, guys lacking compassion sometimes. They were forgetful. And they were men of faltering faith. Matthew 19, 13. Then were there brought unto him little children. Everybody loves little children, amen? Saw the sweetest, cutest little girl this morning. Probably your daughter. And she didn't want to shake my hand, but that's fine. I understand that. I'm a pastor. But we have little kids who will come up to me, you know, and especially my grandkids, you know. And uh, my, my grandson, by the way, he'll, uh, he wants to go to Grandpa's house. He, they live on our in our property. They have a little lot of their own, but they live on our property, and so he wants to go to his grandpa's house, and if, if dad doesn't bring him to grandpa's house, he'll throw fit. He, he'll start stomping and crying, and just like his dad used to do, but he, uh, uh, he loves his grandpa, you know, and uh, so that's a blessing, and little children are so sweet. It doesn't matter whose children they are. When you see a little kid, you're just, oh, that's sweet, you know, and if they have a little fuzzy head, you know, then, oh, they want to touch their fuzzy head, you know. And if they're, they got a little bald head, well, they want to do that on their head, you know. And we just want to touch them. And, and children are so attractive to everybody. But yet, it says, they were brought unto them little children that he, Jesus, should put his hands on them and pray. So we have some parents or maybe some, uh, some uh, uh, uncles or aunts or grandparents, somebody bringing these kids to Jesus. You know, he's going through and they're trying to get the blessing. And Jesus, obvious, obviously, at this time is... He's becoming famous, and, uh, and so they're trying to get a blessing, and the, Bi and the Bible says the disciples rebuked them. It's one thing to have a negative opinion about what somebody else is doing, which most of us probably have this morning, about somebody, hope it's not the preacher, but about somebody, you know, and, uh, or something, and maybe not here at church, maybe it was at your house, maybe the restaurant you went to have breakfast at or whatever, uh, or the gas station, uh, but... Uh, Oftentimes, we'll have a negative idea about somebody, but expressing it verbally, that takes you to a whole nother, another level. Expressing it publicly is a different level, even still. But then actually saying it in front of them so it's aggressive, so that it's actually, it actually can hurt them when they hear it or hear about it, but not just that. They come to Jesus. That's, Jesus, that's all he's done since they know him, is be a blessing to everybody that he's found uh, uh, on the way, except the Pharisees. But, uh, and so they should have known, they had to have known that Jesus is just a blessing to everybody. And these little these parents bringing the little kids that Jesus just say a prayer or just say, God bless you, or just touch them and smile at them. And they actually rebuke the parents. Ah, uh, these are the guys that are commissioned with the greatest commission in the history of mankind. These guys were very insensitive. 
Isn't that the uh, complaint about our Christianity today? That we're insensitive? Matthew 21. Matthew chapter 21, verse 20. So they were kind of insensitive, among other things. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, how soon is the fig tree withered? Why did they marvel? What's the big deal after all they've seen? I don't, it doesn't seem to me that it seems to me that they should have had enough spiritual understanding. And then in chapter 26, and in verse 8, but when his disciples saw it, notice this in the plural. When his, they always did things in a group. At least they were united, amen? That makes it doubtful that they were really independent Baptists, but that's another sermon. But when his disciples saw it, they had indignation. Oh, yeah, they were Baptists. <laughs> they got mad. To what purpose is this waste? Wait a minute. What do you mean waste? Jesus is anointed. And that's called waste in their minds. Wow. These guys were, they were out there in left field somewhere. So we got a group of guys that have doubts, fears. They lack compassion sometimes. They forget some important things like food. Their faith is faltering, insensitive, without, in spirit, without spiritual understanding. They need anger management classes, and there one, was none in those days. And then in chapter 26, verse 35, Peter said unto him, Though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Likewise also said all the disciples. They were quick to speak. And they were very slow to completing what they said. Verse 56. But all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. Apparently John came back, but... So they were men of little conviction. And yet these were the men that Christ himself chose and sent and commissioned to take the gospel to the whole world. And then... In Mark chapter 16, and we'll be finishing up here. Now you'll remember that before this scene, Jesus had, had taught them, and actually in Mark chapter 8 verse 31, it says that he clearly taught them that he, needed, that he would be crucified but that he would rise on the third day. And in verse 9, Mark 16, 9, Now when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week, he appeared first unto Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. And she went and told them that had been with him as they mourned and wept. And they, when they had heard that he was alive and been seen of her, believed not. They believed not. After he appeared in another form unto two of them as they walked and went into the country, and they went and told it unto the residue, that means the eleven, and neither believed they them. 
Verse 14, afterward he appeared unto the eleven, and as they sat at meat and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. So we have a group of men here that have doubts, they have fears, they lack compassion, they're forgetful, they're a faltering faith, insensitive, without spiritual understanding, oft times needed anger management classes, they were fast to speak, slow to complete, they lacked convictions, they were filled with unbelief. Jesus said they had hardened hearts. And we're still in Mark chapter 16, verse 15. And then he said unto them, right after he upbraided them for their, for their lack of belief and faith, right after that, right after he said you have hardened hearts, right after that he said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You've got to be kidding me. With all due respect, those are the last guys I would have chosen. But that's all there is in this world. There's men that lack faith, men that have hardened hearts, and men that lack compassion, and men that are insensitive, and men that have fears and doubts and weaknesses and failures. That's all there is. There's no, there's no one else to choose from. And so he chooses from these men, and he sets up an example for us today. And I ask you, my beloved brother in Christ, why not us? Why not use us? Let's pray. The commission is so great because great is he that has commissioned us. The commission is also very great because of the results that are accomplished when the gospel is preached and received. And the commission is so great because of the manner in the which it is accomplished. Through frail hands, through men and women who have many failures and weaknesses, but yet that's all there is. That's who we are. The list, the qualities of these men that we looked at this morning are nothing more and nothing less than our own qualities. And yet God is calling us this morning to be participants, to be a part of getting the great commission, of getting the gospel to all the world. May God give us strength and wisdom and courage to take that first step and say, yes, Lord, I will. As the piano plays, Pastor, please come.